2: One. <laughs> 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 oh Lord,
1: we're getting fancy up in here. Well, welcome everybody to the Mossy Oak Land Enhancement
0: Gamekeeper Studios. Here we are, yet again another podcast. I love the little glass house that Jason is sitting in in his little producer studio out right there.
1: Well, in this COVID era, yeah. we're trying to be safe.
0: Yeah, it's, we are. We're going to talk about COVID a little bit today. I know we hadn't talked about it much. I think we're going to talk about it as in relation to ducks. Mm. A little bit. Well, it's really changing our lives. Yeah. It, it really is. is.
1: So
3: And our mental capacity. I'm about tired of it. Mm. <laughs> I am, too. So, <laughs> Dudley, h- h-
1: h- being the hypochondriac that you are,
3: have... Uh, uh, I feel like I've had it at least four times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Have you had any blood work done? No. But, you know, you, like Lanny was saying a minute ago, mm. you, you get close to somebody, you know, it one guy doesn't bother you, but another guy does. That's right. what's so weird about it. It is. But, uh, I mean, you'll get a little tickle in your throat and just think the world's about to end, and then the next day you wake
0: up fine. And you know. Yeah, I'm real hot and cold on it, too. You know, That's what I was saying last week. I, you know, we've been eating out, t- take out, you know. We weren't eating out at all. Now we're all taken out, you know, and just stepped in the place to pick up my plate, and then I just knew I was infected when I left, so. <laughs> All weekend, I was like, oh, my God, am I going to make it? But, you know, and today I'm like, man, I'm good. <laughs> well, you know, we
1: keep the door here. We've been keeping it locked for probably nice.
0: since spring.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, but then sometimes somebody doesn't lock the door and you look up and there's somebody just standing in the hall. Yeah. And it just makes you kind
0: of. Everybody freaks out. Yeah,
1: it makes you uncomfortable.
0: And you know, I don't know if it, you know, everybody's like, when is it going to go back to normal? I don't know if it ever will, even the, you know. Some of the gestures, you know, our southern handshake and all that stuff is going to be dynamically changed, I believe. It'll be interesting. And I'm you one I'm not a personal space person.
3: Like I yeah. don't get in your face. Yeah. But I like, you know, interacting. I like
1: hugging and yeah. handshaking
3: and all of High-fiving, that. It's, yeah. It's, it's just crazy.
1: So Jason across there in the glass room, he is a uh, kind of a bodybuilder. Yeah, I mean, I, oh swole, he, he, he works out, he swole. oh swole. So, Jason, are you uh, going to the gym and still working out and all that?
3: Yeah, I'm still going. I'm taking a little extra precaution to wipe down all the equipment and stuff, putting hand sanitizer on all the time.
1: Yeah. Well, I would I would expect with you being the bodybuilder that you can't <laughs> take take off. I mean, you've got to keep working out somehow. Got to keep going.
0: Yeah, yeah, he would just shrivel up if he didn't. I Just remember when I remember when, when Jason was puny <laughs> and Austin <laughs> was puny.
1: He could run around in a shower to get wet. They
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> started eating that biologic, man. The whole world changed. My dad
3: used to joke with me telling me that when it was raining I
1: could go stand under a clothesline and keep dry. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's
1: a good one. I had heard great. that
0: one. Well, it sure changed uh, a whole lot of things around the world. I know we don't want to be selfish and talk about how COVID has affected uh, waterfowl, but we're going to talk about waterfowl today.
1: So, well, they say that it really impacted turkeys. Yeah. A lot of turkeys.
0: Yeah, wildlife in general. Were
1: pressured. And then you, you expect that this year with uh, deer season, there's probably going to be more deer
0: killed. Yeah. And we're hearing, I haven't got any official stats that, you know, hunting license sales are up double digits in all states, you know, spring, fall, everything.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, my, my family vacation was canceled, and you can bet your boots I'm going to be deer hunting every mm-hmm. day.
0: Mm hmm hmm and probably tied into the whole food thing. You know, where's your stuff coming from? Eating more at the house, uh, kind of things driving that too. So,
1: it's, but it's different
0: specifically on waterfowl. Didn't Canada didn't allow any out of country hunters in? That's my
1: understanding. So there were, there were a lot of guys that normally travel to Canada the first of September and, mm-hmm. and shoot birds that were looking for alternatives, and I think they may have gone well like Bandy. Uh, Collins, mm-hmm. he, he said, he had more people wanting to go on some of his dove shoots than ever mm-hmm. before, and it was a result of that.
0: So, do you think this could be a better duck season for us because of not Lack as much hunting pressure. in Canada? Lack of pressure. Just throwing it out there. You know, I'm I'm the continual optimist waterfowler. Every year is going to be you know just a phenomenal year. So. Well,
1: there's so much pressure between that uh, you know. Yeah, I'd like to be Minnesota, right over there. Minnesota, yeah. Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee—before they get to us, that, uh, yeah. I, I can't see. In my mind, it won't change anything.
0: Well, well, you know, we're down here at the bottom of the barrel, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: by the time they get here, they are spooky. Yeah.
3: They've seen so many spinning wing decoys, right? And heard so many hail calls and seen oh. shiny faces. That, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a wash.
0: Well, I'm hoping, you know, it's colder than it has been. We got a little water. Maybe they're not, you know, man, I don't know. Like I said, I'm the continual optimist from waterfowler's perspective. Well, no, I'm with you.
1: I would like to think that too. Well, uh, we're going
0: to get a couple of reports today, aren't we? What's going yeah, on yeah.
1: north of us. Right. So we're going to call Chris Paradise, and he's going to tell us what's going on up up in that area. Uh, Ohio region,
0: yeah. He it's a waterfowler destination up there.
1: Yeah, and he's as big a waterfowl hunter as I I know.
0: know. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, he's
1: really, really into. He's into the heritage of the waterfowl hunting. Right.
0: I think he's a member of one of the oldest duck clubs up there too. So it's it's a neat area. He is a waterfowler. Yeah, there's no question about it. Tried and true. And
1: then uh and then later we'll also uh we're gonna call Spence Hawford with our Roland, buddy Rolling Thunder Game Calls. Oh Spence. And see what he's he's hunting in Arkansas mostly, I think. So yeah. we'll get it kind of a he more. He travels local.
3: a lot too and has a huge network of duck hunting bottoms. You know what? So.
0: That boy likes a duck hunt now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and he likes some bottom land. <laughs> yeah, He does. Yeah,
1: you know, that's one thing about the the waterfowlers They they
0: just love bottomland. Oh man. I mean it is duck hunting. It is. It really it is. is. Especially that, is.
1: that kind of makes you feel good. I love to you know scroll through Instagram and you'll see all these these serious waterfowl hunters leaning
0: up against trees and wearing bottomland and. Now you know that I think even more than the turkey hunters, those are the ones that hung on to it from the from the get go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even when the new patterns were coming out, bottomland is just so phenomenal. For hunting in the bottom, we, we, <laughs> hey, yeah. yeah, we used to have pictures at
3: my duck camp in Money, Mississippi. Of of course, it burned down, uh, but in the uh, sometime in the nineties, uh, we took our boats out with our Avery blinds. They were just yeah. coming out on the market, and uh, we would hang. They had that really lightweight camo netting that's mm-hmm. made out of that synthetic material, and we'd hang it up in the trees and around it. And uh, we took photos of it. Like we lit- took different camo patterns out and took photos to see which one photo. worked best. Yes, and the bottom land was by far. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's the way No
1: surprise there.
0: No surprise. That's so, right. I, I
1: like how he said uh, we had a camp in Money, Mississippi, and of course it burned down.
3: Yeah,
0: I know. I was like, I was thinking the same thing. Isn't this two camps well, it, that have burned?
3: Well, you know, my luck with tornadoes and fires and you know everything else. But yeah. Fire, fire got it. We rebuilt.
0: <laughs> a lot of hunt camps But burned.
3: Lost years. a lot of memories and photos and our log book.
0: Oh, man. A lot of nostalgic stuff. Yeah.
3: Mm. One guy went back and dug through the ashes. He knew where his bed was up, upstairs and yeah. got directly under it and found all of his bands. Wow. Because he hung his duck call on a bed post.
0: I take my band to the house. And, uh, you know, that some,
3: <laughs> somehow he got lucky, and it fell, and the, that aluminum didn't melt. Yeah, it didn't melt.
0: How about that? Mm. Yeah, so. Oh, uh, band of ducks. Like
1: you got a band right they, there. They, yeah, well, later on the did you know, it has to do with a band. So. I've heard of a couple bands
0: getting killed already this year.
1: Who was it? Well, Chris Paradise's son, I think, killed one.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the only
1: one I'm aware of.
0: Yeah. Oh, and then uh, uh, Nick Strayhammer, buddy in the Delta, killed one, too. Did he really? Where, yeah. did, did he, where did he kill it? I think it was a wood duck. I'll be. Issaquina County? I don't know. You know where Issaquina County? Uh, uh, County is? I know Dudley does. Isn't uh, it in, in the Delta? Yeah, that's right.
1: So, look, so, uh, uh, this week's sponsor, yeah, I want to tell you about uh, Baronet Blind. Is that that five-sided blind? Yeah, it's a five-sided blind. Oh, man, they've been
0: bragging on that
1: thing. In the old Mossy Oak tree stand, the original mm-hmm. tree stand. But five-sided means this thing's got enough room for— you could have Hayden, your dad,
0: Everybody Logan, up in there. We wouldn't see Santa. anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's huge. And it's in the original tree stand pattern. Hmm. And so it's called the the Gamekeeper Memory Maker. Mm-hmm. So if you'll go, and I, let me spell baronet. It's B-A-R-R-O-N-E-T-T, blinds.com. And then you can uh, search for the Gamekeeper Treat uh, Gamekeeper blind. It is really, really nice. And uh, I would encourage everybody to go take a look at it. There's a guy there named Travis, and he worked so hard to help put this thing together for us. And it is a fantastic hunt
0: blind. Cool. Well, I know we're going to use it. They used it uh, last week when we had the barbecue, right, guys, and the barbecue ninja. In town, um, did
1: he kill a deer? Yeah, they
0: ended up killing some deer. Sure did. They had a really good time. We uh, got a lot of good recipes in the can, so we're we're looking forward to um, pushing out some new food content with those guys pretty soon. Yeah,
1: that sounds fun. So you got hey y'all, go check out this uh, the Gamekeeper yeah. Blind at baronetblinds.com. dot
0: they're, they're real.
1: The quality
0: is the Gamekeeper Memory Maker. That's it. That is it. It so, is it is five sided and five star.
1: That's right. There <laughs> hey, you go. All right. There oh, you go, that. <laughs> let's, let's let Lanny start writing all of our little. Might uh, need a gig in marketing
0: one here. day. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so also this week, uh, everybody can look forward to uh, the the winter issues is in the mail coming to them. Awesome, and it's go, it's a great one. We've got a tribute to Charlie Alshammer. Oh Charlie? yeah, What a great away guy. Years
0: ago, man, so, uh, one of the. Mm, most phenomenal wildlife photographers there was mm-hmm. for sure.
1: He really was so, probably
0: most published whitetail guy. I have to be,
1: you know, I think so, because he was yeah. really into deer. The magazine Deer and Deer Hunting. Yeah, and when they were in their heyday, he was
0: he had cranking them out.
1: He was he really was the great guy. I I do miss him because we used to talk all that. He's probably had more covers with our magazine sure. than anybody Anyone else. Was, no doubt about it. So it will be on the shelves at Tractor Supply, mm-hmm. Bass Pro, Cabela's. Walmart.
0: All right. Go if, pick it up. We'll you, probably maybe hook up with Todd next week, talk about what's in it, what's going on. Yeah.
1: yeah. And uh, so if you don't subscribe, which it will be the – and I think Jason McKellar's got a program going right now where you can subscribe for half price. Come on. I think he does. Shoot. I'm not sure where you find that. I think that, I'll subscribe myself. But that, that's a really good deal. Yeah.
0: And we are working on a new website, y'all. So give us a little bit. <laughs>
1: yeah. Always working on something. <laughs> Yep. What about blood on the biologic? Dudley? Are you aware of anybody's killing any big deer this week? Um, the the one that really
3: struck me. Uh, I love watching those videos they post. But uh, Kyle Karcher with the Lindsay Way, yeah. killed a brute of. I'm a. I love six points.
0: Oh yeah, I love and, six and, points uh, too.
3: That thing was a toad, and it was like a blizzard going on in at uh, in Kansas, and uh, just a ton of deer. And they kept having to wipe the lens off with, the, you know, they had their hunting gloves on. It was cold. And anyway, it's just a cool story.
0: In the snow. In it really the
3: was.
1: <clears throat> brutal snow. If you get a chance, you can find that on their Instagram
0: or Facebook page. For sure, I watched it. It's still. just something so cool about hunting in the snow. I know, like, those guys are like, I don't know. I mean, for us, it's like. It, it wasn't just snowing. It was a blizzard. It was, it,
1: it was a whiteout.
0: Getting it.
3: Yeah, that's definitely a bucket list for me as a, a
0: Mississippi snow buck. Yeah, we tried when it was like spitting the other day. <laughs> yeah. But that yeah, wasn't I, really I, snow. I don't know
1: that was snow. I mean, you had to like, oh, there's one. There's well, I mean, <laughs> that's snowing. snow
0: in Mississippi, <laughs> <Yeah>. buddy. <laughs> oh, no, no, People were buying
3: milk that's and well, bread, right, I'm sure.
0: Right. I'm still stocked up.
1: <laughs> so with all the, the ducks that are being killed of late, there, a lot of our dogs are getting some work. Yeah, And I got a text and a photograph from – uh, about bogey. Remember we talked about bogey? Oh, yeah, bogey How's doing duck? over there? So he went on his first duck hunt in Arkansas, and I, I think over the three-day well, picked up about sixty ducks and Larry look at him. Burns
0: was so, I bet he one proud papa. Yeah, he was he over there beaming. Yeah. I can't believe he came through Mississippi and didn't even say didn't even talk. No, well can't call, know, stop by, he, nothing.
1: Well, I wouldn't let him stop. Okay. Oh yeah, the COVID. He, he, yeah, he's so I mean there's no telling what he's carrying.
0: <laughs> yeah not <laughs> <laughs> it COVID it'd be something. Yeah, else. well you're right. We don't need to stop <laughs> in here. He drop Bogey off for a little time though.
1: Yeah, well, he said he and Bogey had a lot of fun. Bogey slept with him in the bed.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a great dog story. That's for sure.
4: It really
1: is. So, does anybody
0: else know of anything big? I, you know, I uh, I don't. I, you know, and it seemed like a lot of big deer were hitting the ground in the Delta. Um, you know what I was seeing last week, and then I don't know around here it feels like the lull before the before the storm. It is um, just here locally.
3: I'm so, starting to get a lot of daytime photos on the you? camera. From, you know, younger bucks. Uh, you know, we get to sit in the office and work, and then these Your our phone for phone, yeah, phone yeah, that's right. Yeah, that Spartans out there hunting. And uh, yeah, they're on their feet. Lots of midday photos. So I can't wait to get out this weekend.
1: So, uh, Jason what? Cleveland, did you miss another deer this weekend? Are you, yeah, what's oh, about? no. Did you shoot no, your I own? I didn't phone? get a chance
3: to go, <laughs> but I'm getting paranoid about my gun.
0: Yeah, we talked about that to, this morning.
3: <laughs> to get, you should go shoot it again, and make sure it's on. Because I don't miss many deer. So.
0: Oh, okay. Hey, and I'm with him. You know, when my confidence—if uh, I'm not confident in my equipment—it's old. It's a game changer to me. Hey, I was confident with my <laughs> equipment, and I was shooting at him seven yeah. times. No, I mean,
1: you're the guy that shot seven times at a 800-pound elk, and then was that all the meat you got <laughs> off the elk with the a muzzleloader? With, mu- with
0: a come on now with a muzzleloader? That's <sighs> that's pretty. I thought that's pretty good. You know, I got seven shots off. I mm-hmm. was only prepared for Yeah, but no, yeah. that was the only meat I had left. It was those two pieces of beef jerky, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> So We ate your whole anyway, oh, no, no. podcast. Okay.
0: I forgot to bring some
1: today. but Well, Jason, if we can help you side in, we've got a target back there. Jason mm-hmm. McKellar has some targets.
0: Yeah, you got to be confident in your equipment. It, it, Dudley, you know this, like when you take your kid and you're like, what if a deer? It, yep. Oh, my gosh, is this going on? Hmm."
1: You know. Or if it, yeah, I mean, so much can knock a scope off.
0: Oh yeah, you know, especially when rolling around in my truck all the time. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I'm a big fan of keeping your gun in a in a gun case in the back of your truck. Yeah, you know, not <laughs> just laying it on the back seat. I, where are <laughs> we <laughs> goose and everybody's I need to do a better it job. And,
3: <laughs> yes, I've had enough scopes come undone that I I just put that Loctite. You know, clean the screws and everything really well. Put, uh, Once you
0: set it, it's Put set. that,
3: what is it, the blue bottle thread yeah, locker got on it? Yeah, the
0: blue and the red. Yeah,
3: I think the red is more like a cement. Yeah, you know? the
0: red is never coming put out. Put the blue
3: on there, and that that really helps. I, <laughs> I've had that problem enough that I, I've fixed it.
0: Yeah. Got right. to have confidence in your equipment. So look, so. Uh, uh, keeping this
1: show moving along, we've got Chris Paradise, who is who's been with Mossy Oak a long time, and he's uh, the, he kind of leads. He's head of sales, sales and licensing. I mean, he's right. got a big title, but more importantly, he is probably the biggest waterfowler that he's we know. He's a
0: rabid waterfowler.
1: Yeah, from 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 every aspect of it, including the history of it. Yeah, yeah, and collecting decoys and all that. So he is. He's a,
0: a fascinating guy to talk to about waterfowl. No doubt about it. And it's great to talk to him too because of the heritage. You know, we're used to the whole Mississippi, you know, Delta flatland duck stuff, but what they have up there is so cool and unique. Uh, with the Great Lakes and all the stuff that they have got going on. It's uh so without it's a any cool spot.
1: Without any further introduction, oh, I, my bad. No, my time time I time didn't time. mean to cut you off, but let's give the the, the, the blow the horns for Chris. <laughs> Here he comes.
4: <laughs>
0: Ooh,
2: I got a shot.
4: I don't there know. we
0: go. Oh, rabid waterfowler. <laughs> yes. yeah, I'm a rabid waterfowler. I get shots for rabies and everything. <laughs> so
1: Boy, how, well tell us how you're doing up there.
5: Well, I'll tell you, well, it's hello to everybody and, and uh no no doubt about it. It it is uh, if if God said to me, Hey, you got one last thing you can do with your family, what could you do? I I might vote for a, a day in the marsh. But, there you go. It's just one of those things. But yeah, you know, we're, we're way up north. Um, we're up against Lake Erie, uh, the Great Lakes region. And so there is a lot of, uh, history, tradition, uh, in the, that's deep in this, in this region for sure. But you know, like anything, uh, uh, most duck hunters and goose hunters will tell you. And I think that's a great thing about waterfowling in general on why we're all attracted to it so much. Cause you guys, I think are as rabid as any of us. Yeah, is that you know, everybody's got their own tradition or history or affiliation to what is so special about uh, duck hunting or goose hunting, and so up here, um, you know, you might say that it's it's maybe a little deeper only because uh, we have some of the the oldest hunting clubs uh, in America up here, and uh, these have been in existence, existence as early as back as 1856 in that in that era. And they've kept many of those same uh, traditions and principles alive today. Uh, and that's what's intrigued me so much about it. And, and also, as we know, uh, uh ducks and geese, primarily ducks imprint real heavy on resource habitat management, uh, that allows them to thrive. And I, and I really enjoy that about this region because up here we do a really good job of that and, uh, our, our DNR, our local Ohio Department of Natural Resources, uh, uh, do an excellent job of maintaining our refuges, uh, public land access, and all that does. That just wraps up into a ball of of, of good waterfowling for everybody, and so we're fortunate in that regard. So, yeah, I I, I can honestly say that it it's, it is an honor to live up in this part of the world if you like to duck hunt.
1: Well, so since a lot of your hunting is right there around Lake Erie, you're getting uh, puddle ducks and diver ducks, I would assume.
5: We do. You know, we we kick off uh, September 1 for teal, and that's uh, roughly a three-, four-week season, uh, depending on the national matrix. But, you know, that season is really, really good up here, which, you know, most people wouldn't think. But, you know, this year alone, I'd say our bag limits consisted – Primarily a blue wing teal throughout the season. Our green wings didn't show up till a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, customarily, that, that's kind of the way it is. But uh, but in, in this region, we shot a lot of blue wings. And then we start to see a lot of our puddle ducks come in uh, uh, to the area. And then now, you know, probably I would say from November 20th until the end of the season, there's no telling what you'll see in the way of diver ducks because uh, we have a lot of bay a lot of big water uh, in terms of Lake Erie to shoot on. Uh, and also it's just there's a lot of tributaries that those birds will go up into uh, into some of these back bays and they can feed all day long. So we, we see kind of the, the whole spectrum of ducks here, which is kind of neat.
0: Mm-hmm. That that would be exciting. Oh man, I've been up there it with is. him. It is fun. <laughs> wow.
5: Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's kind of interesting because there's two, there's two avenues uh, uh, that we can go down in terms of, of waterfowl management. You know, one, uh, we gotta be sure that we have food, uh, and that's key for the migration because these birds are making a long migration. Now, interestingly enough, this year due to the pandemic with COVID and what's been going on, I do have a theory and the reason we're holding so many ducks now and ducks that are working well, uh, ducks that respond to the call, ducks that, um, are not blind, shy, but are really working. And, and the reason is, is, you know, we, we can't access Canada. And without being able to access Canada, I mean, as a crow flies across the, the lake Erie for us, Canada is the next land we hit. And there's a lot of duck clubs up there, uh, a lot of outfitting guide services that are basically unable to entertain The U.S. consumer coming that way because we can't cross the border. So there's less pressure. Canadians in general aren't as rabid as we say about duck hunting. Mm -hmm. There's some hunters up there. But in general, the overall pressure on that resource has been minimal. Now that does two things. One, they're not as quick to move and get out of the region. Mm -hmm. And two, uh, when they do, you know, get out, they're, they're workable birds. And, And that is something I've noticed. Uh, here probably in the last six, eight weeks is, man, the, the mallards, even black ducks, pintails, are uh, very workable, which is nice.
3: Black ducks. Wow. Man. Yeah. That is nice for a change for them to
1: you know, be easier to work with. Do yeah. Y'all, Chris, do y'all kill a lot of banded ducks up there?
5: You know, uh, historically, yes. The The trend in banding has gone down over the past few years uh, based on U.S. Fish and Wildlife wildlife data, but uh, interestingly, I was shooting a lot of bands, and then my son came along, and now, out of the last five bands we've shot, he shot four.
0: Uh, (laughs)
5: That's (laughs) that's awesome. And so so those are, uh, uh, Uh. and and look, you know, uh, bands are, I know a lot of guys that have literally Shoebox is full of bands, uh, and you never know it. Uh, and but a band is a, a really neat way for us. While while it's also a neat badge that you know you've, you've gotten to see something unique, and it's always fun for my son and I to look up on the website and see yeah. where that bird was banded, where it was raised, the migration route it took, how did it end up in Sandusky Bay, Ohio? You know, out of the western Dakotas. Well, it just happened that that year. We had a huge westerly blow, a lot of snow, and those birds, you know, shifted the migration. So we we love that aspect of it as well.
1: Wow. Well, Chris, let me Mm -hmm. ask you, uh, staying on that area, where you are is a pretty neat area for a sportsman, but it seems like every year you kind of lock in on a big deer. And I'm I'm just wondering if this year's been any different.
5: Well, you know, (laughs) uh, we've been busy. Uh, no question about it. And, uh, between the kids being home from school with the pandemic, uh, and, and the amount of workload and what's going on, we all know this, you know, being virtual from a customer-based standpoint, th- th- those days of, uh, I would say having extra time to, to zero in on a big deal has been difficult. Now, with that said, I've also backed off of that because we we've had EHD twice in the past seven years. And we even have a, a, a small case of it this year. And that has affected our deer herd to the point where, uh, if we have any mature, larger deer, uh, still around, we're looking at their age class. We're trying to let them go another year. Uh, or I'm, I'm, I'm putting my kids in front of those deer. Uh, but I, I was fortunate enough, uh, uh, over the weekend, this past weekend, uh, I had a chance to get on a, a, a nice deer in Ohio. He happened to show. Uh, I shot him. uh uh, about 15 steps he's a a beautiful wide 23 inch heavy mass eight point that uh just one of those deer that you know i I was lucky that was still around but outside of that i'm going to tell you uh the deer hunting has been very difficult in our area uh, uh, for for the simple fact that DHD has put a put
0: a hurting on us, for sure. Wow, it's good to hear about a little blood on the biologic, though. Twenty three inches. Yeah, wide. I know we got back straps in the freezer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's exactly but, right. I, well, I mean,
1: I, I, the way I started that, <laughs> every year you get on a big deer, so this year is no different.
0: Yeah, he was just trying to put it <laughs> off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, hey, I was working on the kill, well, but I happened <laughs> to find this giant twenty three inch white. Yeah
2: things happen (laughs) you're
5: you're you're right Uh, again this was more i would say luck was in my favor than effort for sure this year
0: hey there's a mr fox Uh, saying behind that you know yeah
5: (laughs) that's the
1: truth truth. so where chris lives the turkey hunting is fantastic the waterfowl hunting the deer he's got smallmouth bass steelhead running the streams he's it's a cool place in the world it it
0: really is you know it is it's
5: Look, I got to
4: tell you. Except for the snow. Uh, you <laughs> and, know,
5: uh, from, uh, for 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 10 months out of the year, if you're a sportsman, uh you can find something to do in the outdoors. And I mean, we're always we look, my daughter and I, we go look for crayfish uh all the way down What's and a I crayfish? I
0: <laughs> you mean a crawfish? <laughs> a craw well, we,
5: we can't eat, we can't eat these crayfish. You can yeah. eat your crawfish. here they they we use them for bait, but
0: that's what you yeah, catch the smallies you with. We can
5: find something to do uh, uh, in this area. But, you know, Bobby, one of the things I do uh, want to say, you know, the, the duck hunting has been feast or famine for many years. Mm-hmm. And, and and something to kind of point out is we had two major weather events at the right time uh, during our season. We had one mid to late October that forced a bunch of birds in. What was, what was, great about that was we have a lot of moist soil units and in, the, in birds typically in moist soil units will forage longer uh into the day so you see shooting more up into the late morning and then also again in the early afternoon we were seeing pintails, widgeon, gadwall, lots of teal, uh everything uh which which fills out a bag and, and our mallards hadn't arrived and then if you look to november We started getting hit with some colder temperatures and this major snowstorm that that hit us here recently. And it pushed in a ton of mallards and black ducks. and then But the rest of our puddlers had left. And so we had the perfect storm, no pun intended, twice to allow us great shooting throughout the year. And here we are in, you know, call it towards the middle of December. And we still have open water. And typically we can be, you know, frozen out by December 1st. So it's been... You know, all the stars have aligned this year. Uh, I've gotten out a lot with the family on weekends, making sure we're, you know, able to shoot a number of different holes just to give them some rest. And it's it's just been fantastic. But we owe it to Mother Nature; she's put us in the in the right matrix for the year.
0: Mm. That's cool. You might have mentioned this a little bit. We were talking earlier that we were wondering if the you know the not as many people going hunting in Canada might have bolstered the the hunting numbers in the U.S. a little bit.
5: I would say, uh, no question. Now, just now, north of us there's there's a a club called St. Anne's, and uh, they have some public access to it uh, as well as some interior.
0: Where's it? <laughs> <laughs>
5: it's really, really. It's a neat place. Uh, they have canvas backs to mallards, uh, widge and gadwall, Pentail, spotted teal. It's run on an Indian reservation. They do a tremendous job. And typically it holds a great number of birds. And, uh, but without a lot of hunters uh, up in that area. And and, and and for instance, a lot of my friends would take a trip two, three times a year to go up there. And people come from all over, call it the Northern Seaboard up against Lake Erie and go up and shoot in Canada in early September. Well, nobody's doing that. Nobody did it. Mm-hmm. There was no pressure. Now, when these birds moved, though, they were in huge, huge volume. We weren't seeing the trickle effect of a migration. We were seeing big swaths show up, and, you know, one day you'd be out in the bay, and you'd see 2,000 mallards. And then the next day, there could be, seriously, in, in one bunch, ten, fifteen thousand 15,000 birds. And uh, that just grew to where I think right now, harboring in the bay, we're somewhere in that forty, fifty thousand
0: 50,000 range. Oh, my God! Uh, I might have to move. Now-
5: <laughs> yeah, and if they stay, but you know, this week it'll stay in the 50s.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And then next week we tip the scale back down below freezing, and uh, that'll change things for the remainder of the season.
3: I mean, th- this could even affect the hatch, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, ducks coming into the season, less stressed, healthier.
0: Yeah. And so, maybe even older, mature ducks. That's getting a down great here. point. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, your birds, great- uh, the, the birds that y'all are holding right now, where do they, where's their next? step, do they start going more toward the eastern flyway?
5: You know, if you look at the migration route, you start to see the Y split just south of us. And so, hmm. again, the migration has shifted. That's one thing I do is I study this because I like to see just how we're starting to tabulate and show the movement of these birds. And no question, there's two things that happen. One, weather, for some reason, uh, has played it, not only a major role in the migration, but the shift in that. Because typically, you're going to have a calendar migration regardless. I mean, you know, September and October, you start to see your early first-of-the-year drapes. They're starting to show up. Pintails are coming in. Widgen are moving. Gadwall are starting to show up. And that's your calendar migration. But the, the, the migration itself from the, let's just call it, the Dakotas on East, we see that shift. Frequently back and forth, and the reason we know that is, it's Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Northeast Texas. They're starting to see more mallards uh, in in larger groups than they've seen in years past, and January seasons for them are ideal. Uh, so, yeah, I think that migration shifts as soon as it gets below. Call it. uh, this northern-midwest region, mm-hmm. depending on weather, depending on food. You know, another thing is these birds are smart. Uh, we have imprinted well uh, flooded cornfields. Uh, to give you an idea, we're well over 2,000 acres of flooded corn in this region. Now, that, that does that's great. It provides excellent shooting, but that shooting is typically late and early in the day. Whereas moist soil, which is also better for them from an overall management standpoint, we can keep water on it longer. We get them on the spring migration coming back. That water alone, that we keep on that food, whether it's you know uh, moist soil or or not, allows those birds a healthier return back to their breeding grounds. To the point earlier about just the overall health of that bird as they get ready to breed again.
1: Yeah, that's very important. Mm-hmm. Very important. Well, gosh! That, well, we've we've learned a lot from Chris. Talk about
5: what's going on. Yeah, we learned.
0: What? We got to get on up there and duck hunt. <laughs> That's what I've learned. Yeah, I
5: tell you. <laughs> hey, listen, and I mean it too. Um, we love sharing it up here. It's been a weird year. We haven't been able to do that. Uh, right. But uh, I will say this: that without what what we're able to enjoy, and just getting the kids out and taking my son and daughter. My daughter took her. <laughs> excuse me, first duck hunt with me this year, you know, it's just something to do, but it's also a learning and getting back to what's important in nature. It has made all the world the difference as We've been under this, you know, That's pandemic right. mm-hmm. stronghold. So it's been wonderful. And I hope we can get back to enjoying it with guys like you to come up and see what we have.
0: Well, yep. we hope you get to come down, too. I know you usually try to get here during late season. Uh, we might have a little more time in January with the trade show. Uh, in January, on. I'm going to be looking for a vaccine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, good. Get one and come on down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. about that? Well,
1: Chris, we've enjoyed having you on. Absolutely. Send, send those ducks this way when you get finished with them, if you don't mind. <laughs> no, don't
5: we'll don't do teach them too, them too much. we won't bother them too much. Yeah, save some for us.
1: All right. Well, look, you have a great rest of the day. We appreciate you being on here.
0: Yeah, and congratulations yep. on the, the big old deer, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll send some pictures. Thank yeah, send us some pictures and post it on uh post it on social and show everybody. Brag on you a little bit. Yeah. Well
5: thanks for having me on and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, right, Chris. See you, buddy. That was
1: Chris Paradise. He is uh the the head guy in the sales and licensing for the camera right. side of the business. And what a great guy. Yeah. I d di- I didn't know he I mean he
3: you're right, he knows so much. He, he oh, he, he, he is he a Are duck
0: you? nerd. He's let me that, tell you right happy. now. He I mean keeps records. Carves his own decoys, paints them. I mean, he is. And again, that—that's why I'm so in, infatuated with that part of the world. Again, because the nostalgia of duck hunt for me has always been southern. And the first time I got exposed to it up there, I was like, "Wow, mm-hmm. this is this is cool." Because it is a little different there. It's um, you know, uh, maybe it's more gentlemanly up there. You know, it's pretty. He's pretty cutthroat around here. Yeah, man, that
1: might be. Yeah, you I don't know, know if
0: that's the best way to describe it or not. Yeah, but
1: those those men the, back in the day, they were captains of industry, right? And they were part of those clubs, and and they would go and stay at those hunting clubs for weeks only, right. and and uh, I mean, I think it was a kind of a. a the the upper crust of society got to do that,
0: and when you go up there and look at it, you can, it's almost like you know we've stayed up there at the what they call it, the Trout Club or whatever when we've been on up there in business uh, with Chris, and it's like taking a step back in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I do too. It's very, it's very, cool. very enjoyable. It's it's very cool. nostalgic. I've got
3: some old decoys that uh, my mom used to give my dad a old wooden decoy uh, for every birthday.
0: Oh, that's a great and, idea. Uh, I really know nothing about them. I bet he would be the one to ask. Yeah. He'd probably tell you what kind of paint it was, who made it, when, you know,
1: yeah.
0: what they're just they like, used for. It. Yeah. So, when last couple of years ago,
1: when we went to the, uh, uh, with I went with Mr. Bill and we filmed an episode about, up there in Chesapeake bags. Bay, yeah, yeah. So there was a waterfowl museum, mm-hmm. and we toured it. And it was a, a, one of the big influences were the waterfowl carvers, and there were these two guys who were barbers, and they were brothers, and they carved all these decoys, and they're worth lots of money right now. Wow, like thirty or forty thousand dollars if you can find one. And every now and then somebody will have one at a in their their basement or their attic and find it, yeah, and pull it out, and it'll. Sell it at a yard sale for five dollars, and it's worth (laughs) fifty thousand dollars. You know that that happens. But anyway, I texted Chris while I was there. Do you know? And he was like, "Oh yeah," and he you know he knew all about it. He he probably even had some of them. (laughs)
0: That's cool. Well, so
1: so look, why don't we take a break and pay some bills, and when we come back, let's get Spence Hofford
0: up there in Arkansas. Yeah, and find out more
1: closer to where we are. What's going on with the ducks?
4: When I first bought this farm a short time ago, every single field was grown up with brush eight and 10 feet high. But it went from that to this. And even though I planted Biologic with very little moisture in the ground, I was really amazed at the results. I just sat in this field with my wife as she shot her very first deer. We could not be happier. We made a memory that will last a lifetime.
5: All because of the effectiveness of the best food plot seed on the market. Biologic is better seed, pure and simple. Log on to plantbiologic.com to learn more.
4: Hello. Hello! How
1: are y'all? Hello, Spence. This is Bobby Cole, and I got Lanny Wallace what and up, Dudley, Dudley here, and Jason's back there in the producer booth somewhere. Hello. So, uh, look, what, Spence, we're just so excited. We appreciate you jumping on here. Let me tell everybody who you are.
0: Uh, the, the, the Spence. Do, do the, we,
1: does he need an
3: introduction? Uh,
1: You're the man. Yeah, so, that, Spence Hawford... Is uh, hang on, Spence. Let me introduce you now.
0: <laughs> He's really good at this, Spence. He's
1: uh, he is the man behind Rolling Thunder game calls mm-hmm. and that uh, cut down call, and all those cool videos you see of the hunting in the public land over in Arkansas, burning them up. He is an unbelievable duck hunter, he is, and a duck caller and a duck call <laughs> manufacturer. And uh, but what he isn't is a fisherman. Ah, you took him fishing, didn't you? I did, yeah. So, but we'll get into that one. True, Uh, fishing
4: season. Fishing seasons when you have to. Put your marriage back together
0: uh, <laughs> if you get the duck on as much as I do. Yes. So uh, yeah. I you that, can't be good at everything. Uh, no, you can't. <laughs> you got to pick your battles. That's for sure.
1: That's all right. So Spence, we wanted to have you on. We appreciate you taking time because we know it's it's yeah. almost duck season, and we knew we needed to go ahead and get you. But we just wanted to We're talking kinda, ducks today. Yeah, talk a little ducks. Find out what's going on in Arkansas
0: and that part of the world. We just talked to Chris up in the Lake Erie region, and he says he is having a okay. Pretty phenomenal, uh, pretty phenomenal year. Lots of ducks.
4: Good. You know, it's it's uh we've had some great hunt and we've had some terrible hunt. Uh, what I've seen so far is that uh, water's pretty pretty uh, in short supply. And if you got some water and decent habitat, then you got ducks. Um, mm. uh, but. After three really, really wet winters, you know, and, and good fall and winter flooding the last three seasons, we're working on a, on a pretty good, pretty good dry stretch right now. And I mean, in the Dakotas and through the Upper Midwest, there's a lot of dry stuff. Um, and of course, I don't know what it's like in West Point today, but in Wichita, Kansas, it's 55 degrees right now, so it's not exactly cold either, um, but mm. But there's definitely a lot of ducks. Um They're just lazy, you know, when it gets weather like that and there's not a ton of water around. So, um, I, you know, I think a lot of us had a lot of ducks early because there were a couple just humdinger, uh front there mid to late October. And so we got a lot of ducks sooner than, than I think most folks normally get them. Um, but what I'm hearing from Kind up, and what I'm seeing is with all these warm tents, but a lot of the ducks are kind of pumped back up. Um, and there's a lot of grain in the Dakota's, and southern Canada that hadn't been eaten, and so you know they're equal opportunity eaters, and they're gonna they're gonna find where the easiest, most comfortable place to eat is. So,
0: so we need some. But cul- it's gonna get better. <laughs> well, this is sounding good to me because they don't they like they're all in the Midwest. There's not enough water. They're still yeah. sitting in Canada. They're not still getting sitting shot in Canada. At. Yeah. So well, we need some cold weather. We just need some cold weather. That's right.
4: We definitely need some cold weather. Uh, we had it, man. When we went to North Dakota in the middle of October, it didn't get above 12 degrees for five days. Woo! And, uh Man, I, don't I know. mean, weeks after we got home, you know the the balmy summertime temps returned and everything thawed back out, but. uh But we'll get it, you know. It 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 it, this time of year, duck hunters always have something to complain about. And it's like they all start believing in global warming like we're never gonna have a winter and then about February everybody's like, Hey
0: it'd
4: be nice to have those November temperatures again. You
0: know? We've actually had pretty pretty Cool the last few weeks here, um, surprisingly. Really? Christ. The mornings? Yeah, the mornings have been cold. It, it snowed the last day of November here. I, I, excuse me. It, it, I'm it, saying snow, wild. and Bobby's yeah. looking at me. Yeah. You know what I mean when it snows in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. We saw a snowflake, okay? <laughs> yeah. Lanny, One. Lanny is yeah, a snowflake. I was looking at a cedar tree, and something white went by, and I was like, man, it's a blizzard. Yeah, I, Y'all get your stuff.
4: I saw some snow in Tennessee, but it was on one of those Lifetime movies by yeah. my wife was watching. Yeah.
0: Night. So uh, here, we're, we're, we're running
1: the heater on the way to work, and we're running the heard. air conditioner on the way to life. <laughs> gotta oh, love it. Oh.
0: Gotta love it. Yeah.
4: <laughs> that is life in the deep south right there. That's exactly right. <laughs> Frost on the window in the morning, and gotta have a t-shirt in so, Spence, let me
1: ask you this. So, the way I found out about you, and, and I was just so impressed with what you're doing as a person, I, I love those videos that you've done when you tell the stories about taking your your son hunting sure. and what it means to you. I mean, it's just so well produced, well done. My and just thank you. So proud to be associated with you. But that uh your style of hunting there in that public ground in Arkansas. Um, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's been changed, hasn't it? I mean, hasn't Arkansas a lot? Yeah. What's going yeah. on there?
4: Well, there's a lot of things that are going on. Um, and, and so it's, you know, I mean, that's your, kind of what you're asking me is sort of a global answer and, and I, so I'll probably get it wrong. Somebody listening will probably have a different opinion, but there's a bunch of things that are going on. And one of them for the, and, you know, one of the things that's kind of been in the water for the last, say, five to 10 years is there's a growing um, concern or uprise from a lot of the local folks about crowding in the, in the woods, in the public Mm -hmm. hunting woods. And, and so there's been, you know, a lot of public outcry about too many people and we need to blah, blah, blah. And and that has most recently manifested itself in some limitations on non-resident hunters. Um, on the state owned wildlife management areas. And so in, in years past, you know, you, you can buy an out of license, you know, in all season and duck season last 60 days in Arkansas or, or, you know, has for the, for the, for the, maybe the last 20 or so years, I guess longer than that. Um, going to date myself, but, uh, but, but you were allowed to hunt on the wildlife management areas. Any day you wanted to, the season was open as a resident or a non-resident. And so the first thing they did was they started saying instead of being able to buy a season-long um, permit for any wildlife management area, you could only buy a permit in five-day increments. And for the first season that they did that, or two seasons they did that, they allowed you to buy up to 12 permits. Um, actually, I guess you could buy as many as you wanted. Um you could buy a different permit every day but what they did was they made those permits specific to wildlife management areas so if you were going to hunt you know dave donaldson you had to buy dave donaldson permit if you were going to hunt you know uh the the black swamp or um or 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 Biomeda, you had to buy a permit specific to that place and that gave them the ability to kind of track when people from out of state were were hunting and what wmas they were accessing the most and um, uh, you know, of course, there's, there's, uh, you know, a lot of different ways to spend the numbers. And, and I'm not sure that they learned anything that was not something they already anecdotally knew because, um, it's not hard to figure out where the most crowded hunting places are in Arkansas. Um, and, and, and historically, you know, <laughs> the better places always have more people, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so from there, they, they, Changed it from an unlimited number of five day passes to only six and they, and they were specific. So, um, so you could hunt a total of 30 days on the WMA, but you could only hunt, you know, you could only acquire six permits in five day increments. And then from there, what they did last season and again, this season is, uh, they, they picked three ten-day windows where non-residents can hunt on the WMA, um, but they they have to they only during the first ten days. There's ten days in the middle of the season mm-hmm. and there's ten days at the end of the season. Um, uh, and and you have to you still have to buy a permit specific to the WMA. Um, and that that really changed things because for a guy like me, you know, I can access most places in Arkansas in about. Two hours from my house. Uh, the farthest place is maybe two and a half hours, and and so I'm I'm able to hunt a lot of days and and hunt for a couple hours like you guys do, and, mm-hmm. and then go to work. Yeah, um because work for me is about halfway between my house and and where I like to hunt. Um, and so I, I probably would hunt thirty to forty days in the public woods, but I wouldn't hunt them in ten day stretches. You know because you just it's nice to sleep in your own bed, you know, and you try to pick the way, the days where the weather's good. Right. You got a wind that you like, you know, and, and we bounce around. We're really nomadic based on where water levels are and you know, at certain river levels, certain places are better than others. And uh, and so it, it it's been a it's been a pretty gigantic adjustment for us in terms of just how I say us like, you know, me and some of my immediate friends from Tennessee. Because we can't really uh, just kind of go wherever we want, whenever we want, like we have in the past. Mm. Uh, and then, I guess, the other major factor that's going on in Arkansas is uh, three or four years ago, maybe five years ago now, they, the, the Game and Fish Commission started a real intensive look into damage to their trees, uh, you know, and green timber reservoirs, what they call them, GTRs, yeah. are essentially man-made impoundments, right, with live oak timber inside of them that they, they flood. And for years and years and years and years, they, they started putting water on those things mid-October. Uh, October 15th was the historical date that all the farmers had agreed that the corp engineer, the game of fish, that, that, any, that, that Water could start being retained after October 15th. And, um, here a couple of years ago, they felt like they were doing too much damage to the trees. And so they bumped that back. And now the date is November the 15th. And so, you know, in a, that, the difference between putting the boards in and catching water on a whole bunch of these managed areas between October 15th and November 15th, um, is significant in terms of huntable access potable water. Um, because, you know, typically season opens about November the 18th or 20th, somewhere right in there, you know, three days versus three days of flooding versus 35 days of flooding. That's a big difference.
3: Sure. Um,
4: so those two things right there, those are probably the biggest two changes that have, have happened in Arkansas in the last you know, five years. Um, Anyways, I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking, but there's a pretty
0: detailed answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you told me all that cuz I was not aware. I was
4: Yeah. Well, I don't I,
1: don't, I didn't realize I was opening up that can of worms. There's some serious there, stuff going up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've really
3: got to do your homework if you're planning to travel there to hunt.
0: Yeah. Um because yeah. I used to go when I was in college, and I would go to a grocery store and get a permit to hunt the White River Refuge.
2: <laughs> and, and I mean, yeah, you would—I yeah, went,
0: yeah. went to the grocery store to get it. So you, and gone, it didn't matter yeah, if you were yeah. resident, non-resident, whatever. And that could have been the last—you know—Friday night. Y'all could have decided. To no, go that's when we decided. The yep. yeah. the, that is when we would yep. decide to and go. You can, and this was in the—you know—and the federal refuges the
4: federal refuges will still allow you to hunt as much as you want. Um, uh, they're—they're definitely. They have not adopted the same window of date that the state has, uh, but the the difference is there's almost no artificial water that gets held on the federal refuges. So the refuge ground, like the White River Refuge, and, uh, the Cash River Refuge, all that ground is great hunting, but only when the rivers swell out flood. Right, uh, and so. The WMA, the state land, you know, as it says in the name, those are supposed to be managed areas, right? So they they almost all of them have significant ways of, of artificially controlling the water mm-hmm. uh, and creating habitat. Uh, so, but but Dudley's right. You got to do your homework. I mean, there's there's that's the name of the game. Is is uh, we we have a phrase that we we preach. Our mantra is, you know what kills ducks is diesel fuel and unleaded gas. <laughs> it's yeah. not, it's not duck calls and shotguns and, and, uh,
0: Being and, in the right spot. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's doing your homework. Mm. Uh, I mean Bobby can attest to that dude, with his duck calling skills I mean he knows he's got to be in the <laughs> right spot. <laughs> yeah that's right. I'm a shooter. I'm not
3: and a you, caller. you I guess you know you you have to manage your expectations too. You uh, you know you're going to run into other hunters you're going to yeah. have other hunters set up really near you and and if you let that mm-hmm. if you let that ruin your day every you're gonna be every, time every time you go Yeah then uh, you you just got to be willing to expect that's going to. Well, happen. I tell you what, yeah.
0: it's an adventure, you know. And I tell you, hunting that public land up there is some of my best memories are running around in that stuff. So it's worth I'm doing. doing. It, to your point, everybody do your homework. It and, is.
4: It, my daddy always said that adventures are really good for a young man's development, and 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 so I, I wholeheartedly yes embrace that. I agree with that, and and I uh, I mean, I am who I am today because of the wild hairs that. That I chase, you know, yep. and still chase them.
0: Uh, we all are, yeah.
4: But and, but but you're but you're right. It is an adventure, and and Dudley's right. You know, you, you got to be, you got to manage your expectations. And frankly, some of the best friends, I mean, to this day, you know, some of the some of my closest, bestest friends in the world are people that uh, I was foot racing or or bumping up into. Yeah. You know, in in, in a I mean, frankly, you know, I, I knew Brooks Tinsley from a distance, but that's how we got to really be good buddies. Was Racing they, each other to the broke duck
0: broke
4: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're both broke down, and, and they rolled out. They were going to march to the same spot I was going to march to. Uh, Brooks lost. But
0: only by about three feet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, uh, he's hardcore now. Yeah, he is. I tell you that thing. What well, you I, what you said it, about your dad' and adventure. My dad said it's not an adventure until something goes wrong. To your point, Dudley. Oh, <laughs> that's right.
4: That's yeah. right. Stuff goes well, wrong you, with you, you know, like, all the time. My
0: whole life's an adventure. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah,
4: that's how you learn how to change spare tires, and
0: you that's know, right.
4: Uh, fix things is is you know when when you have to.
1: Well, Spence, we appreciate you being on here. And before we let you go, is is there one tip that you could give us? Ooh, put him on the spot. You know, for a sounds like a gas
0: card, diesel fuel, and unleaded. Well, no. So let's
1: (laughs) well let's just say a guy's got a Rolling Thunder cut down call. Mm -hmm. Is there Uh one one tip that Spence could give them for like? Are you calling at their butts or 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 just you know kind of give your your best tip here? So. Well, not, well, to put you, not, not to that, put you
0: on the spot, yeah. No, we that, wouldn't do that. That's okay.
4: That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I, I'll 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 make, I'll take I'll give you a three for one. How about that? That's what I'm uh, talking about. The, the biggest, the best tip I could give somebody about their duck ball is they need to practice. And that sounds really simple, but you know when you were in high school and you played basketball or football or whatever sport it was, you practiced every day. And when you got home, you practiced. You know, I played basketball was my sport, and you know, we practice for a couple hours after school, and then you go home, you shoot free throws at home, and you just practice constantly, constantly, constantly. And then it's like all of a sudden we become an adult, we want to pick up a hobby, and we want to go do that hobby, but we don't actually practice at the fundamentals of that hobby anymore. And blowing a duck call is just like shooting a basketball. It's muscle memory, and, uh, and so, you know, being able to blow a duck call well is – I mean, that's a real asset to – Um, being able to to call them in you know close and get a good clean ethical shot so i would say number one tip would be practice a Mm -hmm. lot um from there i would say just be you know nature and and outdoors has a way of teaching us if we're willing to learn and so listen pay attention um you know when you're when you're close to ducks are on the water just notice the sounds that they make notice when they call when ducks are flying overhead and try to you know try to be try you know just try to learn and observe even if it's not from live ducks try to learn what works and what doesn't work and, and adapt and don't get stuck in a rut thinking that just because you heard something somebody did on YouTube or social media that you know that, that you got to do that one thing in order to work it, it you know it, you, you got to learn and adapt and uh and if you're if you're willing to be open-minded and and not stuck in the mud about it you know, You'll you'll learn. I mean, you'll, you'll learn the hard way. Mm, that's <laughs> you know? right.
1: Yeah, that 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 does make a lot of sense.
4: Practice <laughs> and then learn. But my third one is going to be because I think everybody needs to be reminded of this, myself included. But when you bump into other hunters in the woods, just be polite. We're yeah. all on the same team. And uh, if, if you start mad, it's it's pretty hard to come back from that because you're going to end up saying something that's going to insult somebody or make them mad, and then and then you're you know, everything later. um, versus if you're just polite and courteous, it's, it's, amazing, uh, you know, how, how much more enjoyable the day goes if, if everybody can, can just get along. And, and I, I, I say that because I really believe a lot of the rules and regulations that are changing right now are because people have not done a good job of getting along with each other. If yeah. we were all getting along, um, uh, there wouldn't be a need for a bunch of rules and, and, stuff being jockeyed around so uh be kind to your other hunters as you meet them there you go i'd
3: say number three is probably more important than the first two yeah
4: especially it is i I agree for sure
1: thanks for sharing that well spence
3: yeah
4: no problem
1: once again you've uh you've outdone yourself when whenever we're around you at the shot show and stuff you're always fascinating to listen to and (laughs) <laughs> we appreciate what you do as a representative
4: of the duck hunting world.
0: Yeah, I hope you can get down and hunt with us again well, this year too. It, We're looking. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll have a few.
4: All right, I'm, I, I would love to. Uh, just let me know.
0: Yeah, and I, I, it's an honor
4: to fly the Mississippi Flag with Bobby. So, so uh,
0: that, appreciate that, that compliment goes both ways.
1: Well, and and another thing, we want to get you down here and let's let's give some uh, I'll, and I'll help you. We'll do some uh, duck calling lessons. <laughs>
4: okay, can. I'll, I'll <laughs> trade you. I'll trade you some open face bait cash grills There fun you go for lessons duck calling lessons. Some duck lessons so. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: that sounds good. Perfect. <laughs> That's, That's great. All yeah. right. Well, Spence, I'm gonna tell everybody. Tell me if I'm wrong now, but they can. Uh, there's Rolling Thunder has an Instagram page. Yep. Is there another? Is there something else?
4: uh you can find this on all the all the places you know facebook instagram youtube uh even we've even got a podcast too we're not on the tiktok thing that's about the only place you can't find the, <laughs> the old tiktok
0: yeah we're not either we're avoiding that one sometimes. we just watch tiktok we don't participate <laughs> lanny watches TikTok. just from what vandy sends me all these stuff he all right spence
1: well you be careful and uh, good luck the rest of this duck season and don't be a stranger Appreciate you, Spence. Thank
4: you. Good to talk Thanks, to you guys. Right, see you, buddy. See you. All right, we'll see you. All right,
2: see you. Hey, folks, it's Jeff Foxworthy. You know, when I was a kid, my dad bought back the farm that he had grown up on, and I absolutely loved that place. I knew every square inch of it. It truly was my favorite place on earth. And when you're looking to find a favorite place for you and your family, Mossy Oak Properties can help. Visit MossyOakProperties.com to begin your search today. All right, everybody.
1: Well, uh, well, that was great talking to Spence. Yeah, I love talking to (laughs) Spence. The first time I knew
3: of Spence, uh, I also met him, uh, was at a trade show. Uh, I think it was the NWTF show. Probably so. And you know you can you hear even though it's turkeys you hear duck calls all around you and there was one booth that was louder and actually better sound than than anybody but louder by far uh and that, that's his booth and they they make an awesome call and boy does it carry uh, to the point of me wanting to put something in my ears after about 30 minutes
1: <laughs> oh that's good stuff stuff but yeah i think his calls are uh, I mean, he kind of cut his teeth on the uh, on a it's called a cut down call. And I really don't know what that means, but I think you've got to really know what you're doing
0: to blow it right. Takes a lot more air, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, but I mean, they are they work unbelievably well. is the bottom line. So, well, anyhow, so we're over I'll, timber timber style of a of a call.
1: I'll give you credit. You can you can run a duck call. <laughs> well, thank I'll, you, I'll Bobby. You I
0: appreciate that. I've been calling for you for years. For years. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and sometimes we're, we're, you know. Let me tell you what, and Bobby, let me tell you what. You can shoot a duck. Let me tell you what now. This man right here. You know, when you're hunting with Lanny,
1: though, you never have to you never have to say, Boy, I wish he would call.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Because he's gonna be calling the whole time. Yeah, when Spitz came down here he's like, I have never heard somebody blow a whistle the whole time we were duck hunting. You know, they might sneak in on you. You, you never know. know. You never know. So I love I do love it. I love it. I don't know why I'm calling so much because I'm cold and I got to keep moving. But, you know, I'm kind of fidgety anyway.
1: So. Are you a single read or a double read?
0: Yeah. Uh, it just depends on the call, honestly, just how it sounds, you know. I like a, 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 a trashy sounding call is the best way to
1: put mm-hmm. it.
0: I like my duck calls a little on yep. the trashy side.
1: <laughs> well, look, let's uh, let's keep moving on. Let's uh, we, we've had a segment that we call "Did You Know?" We Did you? A few times we yeah. haven't done it lately, but so I've done a little research on this one, and I'd like to
0: start this one with the if we could. So, are we trumpeting on on the "Did You Know" again? Nah, I don't think we are. Okay, good. Right, J-
1: J- look, you waking Jason up, way. <laughs> he's trying to nod <laughs> off. So on the Did You Know Today, I was going to talk about, you know, we talked with Chris about banding. Banding ducks. Mm -hmm. And one of the most fascinating stories is this guy named Jack Mm Miner, who back in the early 1900s started banding ducks. And he did it as, so the Did You Know part of it, the whole banding process started as a way for him to be a missionary and to spread the gospel to the Native Americans that lived in Canada that couldn't read, so he started putting Bible verses on these. He started catching wild ducks and geese and putting Bible verses on them, and then sending them off in hopes that someone would, you know, kill the duck or the goose, and then they couldn't because they couldn't read English. They would take it to somebody.
0: Yeah, that would, would read the verse for who them. would Read
1: the verse to them and explain it to them. So that was his way of of spreading the gospel. It's a really fascinating Holy story.
0: Holy moly. Uh, you know what? I did not know that. Is
1: that? Well, so there's so much. We've done a couple of television shows Yeah. Uh, on Jack Miner and his bird sanctuary. It's in Canada. And it's some fascinating stuff. And there, if you'll Google it, you mm-hmm. can find all kind of old films that were made. He was big buddies with Henry Ford and some other champions of industry back in the day, captains of industry. And the way it started is he made a fortune in the brick business, and so digging all these pits to to mine the clay to make bricks, he left just a lot of potholes. Yeah. And then he started after he kind of made his fortune. He started thinking, well, what could I do to give back? And he started turning those potholes into waterfowl sanctuaries. Oh wow! Wow. And then 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 that led him then to start uh, uh, banding birds and with the bible verses and then he became more and more successful at that and then the fish and wildlife service looked at what he was doing and how he was doing it to to model the banding operation they have today. It's pretty mm, fascinating. That stuff. is
0: hugely fascinating. That's
1: next level. Yeah, I would anybody that's listening that is interested they could uh, – and people that have
0: – Have you ever you, seen a Jack Miner band that
1: had the Bible verse on Yeah, yeah. I killed one. The way I've learned about this, I killed one on the Tom Bigby River. My friend Paige Todd and yeah. I were hunting together and uh, on the was Tom it? Bigby River. And this was about 2000, and I killed a Jack Miner uh, band. And, and, and s- Paige was calling for you? Paige was calling for <laughs> <him>. <laughs> And, and uh, But it turns out there's a little pocket of birds over here on the – on the eastern side of the Tom Bigby River, down yeah. around Aliceville area, there's some of uh, Jack Miner birds that are banded in in Ottawa. Near, uh, well, it's not Ottawa, but it's in Canada, and they end up down here. But they end up all over, and um, so they're
0: really prized by collectors. The Jack Miner bands. Yeah, I'm looking at one right now. It's Got Leviticus twenty six, twelve on it. What is that? I buddy? walk among you. Oh. Yeah. And God is our refuge is a real popular one as well. So Cast all your care upon God. First Peter five, seven. Man, I'm going to have to duck hunt a little more. I need one of these things. So I'm telling you, so if
1: you uh, – so the the Bible, the the one that I've got, I ended up giving it to my wife, and she wears it on a necklace around her neck. Oh. Good move, yeah. bro. Yeah. <laughs> so but you ought to Google Jack Miner and read about it. That it's is exactly
0: what I'm doing right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. So there's your did you know, and I hope you guys So watch.
0: that Jack Miner band you killed had a Bible verse on it? It did. And you killed it on the Tom Bigby? On the Tom Bigby River. I'm going to hunt there for the rest of my life now. Yeah. I'm going to get – <laughs>
1: Yeah. So where Chris is up in uh, in Ohio. So they're right still doing the this. Bay. Yeah. yeah, his sons, uh, yeah. I think he's got one son, and then uh, there's a Jack Miner Foundation up there, and they yeah. still do it more as education. They'll bring in school kids and show them how, to, how the, the whole process works. But, you know, David McElwain and Richie and they all went up there and filmed a show. Yeah, I need to watch that one, apparently. I wasn't yeah. paying too much attention. Really, really good stuff. So I actually brought a Jack Miner band this one's got a Bible version on it. That is an authentic Jack Miner band.
0: So, I bet and they, you, where did this come from?
1: Well, the lady that runs the refuge, she was kind enough to send me that one. Well, I tell you what. So, I've got two: one that I killed, and one that she gave me.
0: I can realize how bad my eyes are getting now. Wow, look at this. <laughs> yeah, you really kind of—it's almost like they. Uh, that is really cool. So, mm, would really
3: they does. would they be able to go to Mossy Oak Go and watch that Jack Miner episode? Certainly.
0: There's something on there.
3: Yes. Yeah,
1: so you would think. <laughs> you'd, think. <laughs>
0: you'd think so. <laughs> we're gonna get our we're gonna get this website. We'll get this we're gonna get this video thing figured out one day too.
1: Yeah. Uh, Google Jack Miner, M-I-N-E-R, guys. It's 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 worth the read. Yeah, it is. Cool. All right. So sure. what, a, what about uh the Ask Dudley
0: question We got questions any questions got today? Guys?
1: Yeah, we got a question.
3: All and right. It's another interesting one. It's kind of got a twist.
0: Oof. So well, let's hear it. Once in
3: a generation,
0: a mind <laughs> comes along, a
3: mind that understands more than the average person and is more than willing to share his knowledge. From trees to food plots to fertilizer, Dudley Phelps knows so much that he has forgotten more than he remembers. And now he gives you the chance to ask the burning questions in your mind.
1: It's time for Ask
4: Dudley. Mr. Dudley, I live in Florida, however, my hunting properties in Pennsylvania. The distance makes proper maintenance of the property difficult at times. I'd like to improve some of the cover by adding switchgrass. From what I've read, there's a fair amount of maintenance that is involved in establishing switchgrass plots. Is switchgrass a plant that I would be able to start from seed in pots in Florida and then transplant to Pennsylvania to cut down on the establishment phase of that new cover? Thank you.
0: That's an interesting question. That is a next level question. (laughs) What was his name?
1: Did it say his name? Justin. 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 Yeah, good
3: question. Well, Justin. That is a good Scott question. Scott Kirsch. Uh, Justin's probably next week. Uh, All right, Scott. Scott. Good question, <laughs> Scott.
2: <laughs>
3: um, well, Scott, the answer is yes. Um, and you can get switchgrass seed. There's different varieties. Uh, the variety we carry is called Alamo, and it it works well in a wide range of climates and soil types. Um But, yeah, you can scatter some seed in a pot, you know, late this winter. Uh, Some of it is going to need stratification, but most of it is not. Uh, So you just sprinkle a couple of seeds in every pot. I would recommend, uh, you know, ordering some kind of plug tray uh, that's similar in size to what we, uh, you know, our our root balls on our trees are like.
1: Um, That's about the size of a coffee cup?
3: Yeah. Yeah. you can you can grow them and they'll it's amazing how easy they are to grow. Uh, but if you do fail, you can get plugs from us at native nurseries.com. But uh, yeah, just put them in pots, sprinkle a little on the soil surface uh really late in the winter. Maybe in February, let a little freeze, thaw action, stratify them so they'll all sprout. What What does you mean by stratify? Stratification, uh, there's stratification and scarification. Stratification uh, is like it needs a winter to trigger it to sprout. Um, switchgrass seeds only need about a month below about 50 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: Um, That's so,
3: why we store our acorns in the cooler. Yep. And uh, it triggers them to sprout. Although some of them will sprout anyway, um, the about twenty five percent of them wouldn't sprout until next year if you don't stratify them. So uh, put some slow release fertilizer in there. You know, maybe a I don't know a half a tablespoon in in, your, in each pot. Um, and that fall uh, you can drive them up to Pennsylvania and plant them. You know, mm-hmm. maybe in early October. And they'll, they'll root in. They're very hardy. They can handle not getting rain. They'll just go dormant. Um, and then the next spring, uh, late in the spring, they will start sprouting. Uh, about the same time uh, folks are planting corn, when the soil temps get around 50, 55, they start leafing out again. So uh, what I'd recommend doing is a bunch of weed control the summer and fall before. Spray some glyphosate uh kill all those grasses and weeds and then uh plant them in the in the in the in the fall let them overwinter, and before things warms up you can spray and kill all your cool season grasses and weeds again and it will release your switchgrass
0: thank you mr know-it-all
3: and you'll have a good stand and there's all different kinds of you know herbicides and maintenance things you can use. Uh, give me a call and we can go over your your specific conditions and and make sure you're successful.
0: I, I have to tell you, I've I've planted you know some native grasses by seed, you know and. The plugs are the way to go, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. compliment this guy on, on having that, you know, putting that kind of thought process yeah. into it. With seed,
3: it's a two or three year process right. and you have to be willing to to wait.
0: Um, and if you, he's growing in Florida and transplant and taking them up to Pennsylvania, shoot, he's probably going to switch grass looking pretty good before he even transplants it up there, couldn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it'd be pretty vigorous growing down there. Oh, it'll
3: make a seed head and look like a three-year-old plant in the first year. Right. When you go by seed, it's a three-year process. Yeah. And uh, usually the first year, you think that you didn't have any germination at all and you're disappointed. Uh, And then you go back the second year, you find a few plants, uh, lots more maintenance and management. And
0: then usually year three, you're successful. With, With plugs, you're successful year one. And some, of the, you know, I think some of the varieties in these native grasses, it can be 90 days before they germinate, can't it? Even longer than that. I mean, because we're so used to these food plot seeds as gamekeepers, you know, throwing them out there and it's boom, it turns yeah. green. Man, I had a magnifying glass around there. Looking, <laughs> looking yeah, around. they'll
3: sprout pretty quickly. I, I think, you know, I think they say three to 15 days on switch. Yeah. But you're literally on your hands and knees looking for Looking it. for them. Yeah. And it's tiny. The first year, right? Mm. So, uh, yeah, plugs are the way to go. Um, you might have to space them out a little bit more. You know, your, your budget them. and and all of that good stuff comes into play. But right.
1: uh, yeah, if you're if you want instant gratification, plugs are the way to go. Plugs the way to go. Good question. Well, good. I think you I think you answered his question. And let's make sure he's going to get a levy sling. One of those Ooh. really cool. Oh, yeah awesome. nice. outdoors. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. Yeah. So get his information. Let's make sure we send him one for sending that question in. Was kind of like tying the pork chop around Dudley to get the dogs to play with and, You know, we kind of bait everybody in with give them something. We'll so give you something. Just ask
0: us a question.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. All right. Uh, what you, did you learn anything today, yeah, well, Bobby? Yeah, yeah. I learned something. Yeah, I did learn something
1: What did you learn? Yeah. Arkansas is very complicated when it comes to a non resident
0: duck hunter. Yeah, and lots of new rules out there.
3: Well, either you can be willing to do your homework and go hunt them dead. Yeah. Or stick around in your
1: own state. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to know more about their thought process, those because, you know, there's been a few times I've been over to Biometa and mm-hmm. seen the Green Tree Reservoirs. And I would just, it, to, to think that they're not doing some of that anymore. It, uh, it's kind of disheartening. I know our local refuge, Noxaby,
3: uh, and I've read those studies he was talking about where the you know trees are dying off. All the little acorn red oaks, uh, pin oak, willow oak, they're slowly dying off because they're keeping the water on them too long. Too and, long. And it's converting all to overcup oak, which oh, is yeah. a much less desirable acorn for waterfowl.
0: 100%. Um, and so, so that's
3: what's going on. Uh, our local refuge is just alternating, so maybe they'll they'll flood one of the th- the big three GTRs a year, yeah, and let those other two sit idle. Um, some some states are you know just flooding for a shorter duration every year, right? But yeah, you you can't flood, you can't flood
0: they're red, not aquatic plants that's no. what you're telling us but you can't flood a red oak for 5 months out of the year every, every year, year and expect them Now you can't handle that for 1 year I'm assuming Oh yeah yeah I mean they, they're bottomland species Well and when you say year you're really just talking about a few months right yeah Well I think what you know if you keep them underwater for you know several months several years in a row where the problem is where if it's 1 year where it's underwater and then it's got a year to maybe recoup and sure. everything else then it can handle it again mm-hmm. it's successional at, uh, season to season that's getting causing and issues. So what did you learn? I learned about Jack Minor. Yeah, you did. I mean, I consider myself kind of a duck person, and I didn't know that, that, that the whole duck banding thing started out from a spiritual outreach um, place. It's pretty cool because, I mean, you know, I don't get a – I'm not much of an emotional person, as you, as you quite know, but, man, there's something about duck hunting that just – Pulls at every core of my body. You know, so
1: uh when I read all this, mm-hmm. this was many years ago when I found out about it, but it turns out his he hand crafted this first aluminum band yeah. and, it, and his first like hand stamp was first Peter. So he put up uh, first P E T as five um, seven. So the f- the person that killed that goose wrote him back and said I'm sorry that I killed your first pet. Ah. Uh, <laughs> so that led him to
0: uh,
1: elaborate a little more, more information yeah, on the Here on it the, is. On the, uh, um, on the band.
0: Box 46, Kingsville, Ontario. He careth for you, one P E T five seven. Yep. That's it. Wow. It's huh. a really neat story. Yeah, that's a neat it story. It sure is. All uh, right. We learned some more about ducks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I probably And Dudley already knows everything, so he probably didn't learn anything. Well,
3: I, I enjoyed some of the <laughs> stuff oh, yeah. that Chris was talking about, about, you
0: know, the history
3: and,
1: and all of that. We need to go hunting with Chris. Yeah, it's ducky up there. Yeah. It really is. It sure is. All right, guys. Well, are there any uh, any things around here we need to give a, a website information about?
0: Uh, we close? You know, everything's kind of, you know, food plot. We're still shipping trees. It's primarily to the south, isn't it, right, Dudley?
3: Yeah, it's starting to freeze up
1: in the north.
3: So,
0: mm-hmm. so. Uh, we're going to be preparing for spring food plot season and spring tree planting season pretty soon.
1: But in the meantime, the rut is right here on the top. The rut is of it, right so. here
0: too, and so. you can you know hit Gamekeeper Butchery up if you want to to check out what we got going. We got some new packages there, so trying to make it easier for people to shop. meats That can. That's it. All right, Jason, you, did you learn anything?
3: I was fascinated about the jack miner stuff too.
0: Yeah, that was really cool. Well, good. Makes me feel like better as a waterfowler. Excellent. Right. Excellenter.
1: All right. Well, listen. Thank you all for listening. We're, we're actually getting some comments back on the podcast that guys are enjoying listening. And uh, I
0: love seeing the dongtail cat comments. Yeah. The, <laughs> I, yeah I, I sent in a video of a house cat. It said, "Show this to Mister Wallace. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> who is Mister Wallace? <laughs> yeah. Who is Mister Wallace? I don't even know him. anyways.
1: All right. Well, thank y'all. We appreciate all the comments from uh, from the two or three listeners that we've got. And yeah. we hope that uh, y'all will keep continue on commenting Y'all take care Thank y'all Get us out of here
2: Clay Thanks for tuning in To this week's episode Of the Gamekeeper Podcast And be sure to tune in again Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife Magazine And don't miss The Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt Podcast With my good buddy Ronnie Cuzz Strickland